Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Picky Bookworm Podcast. I know it has been a minute since I have been on with you guys. Uh, I was off uh, the podcast for a couple of Saturdays. My husband's birthday was last weekend. The weekend before, I had a craft fair. So Saturdays, uh, the past couple of weeks, were kind of crazy. And But I am back, and I could not be more excited for today's guest. Um, I, Kat and I have um, been friends on Twitter for um, a few months now, I guess, and we we got to talking, <clears throat> and she is now um, one of the collaborators on the Picky Bookworm website. Uh, she writes um, a, a book review every couple of weeks for the site, so if you have not been over there, um, I will definitely put links um, in the description for you guys uh, so that you can go check out her book reviews. Of course, check out all of the rest of the stuff while you're there, um, but for sure, check those out um, if you're interested. Uh, Kat tends to record, uh, record huh, that's funny, review um, horror books and um we recently did the the readathon for the trans rights um, readathon that raised like a whole crap ton of money um, for them for the Trans Legal Health Center. So um, that was really fun. Um, she's got some book reviews up um, for that as well. So I will link all of that um, in the show notes for you guys in the description of this podcast so that you can head over there and check all of that out. But without further ado, we are going to get into all of the stuff with Cat Valor today. I'm super excited. So grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. We're going to get started. Cat, hello. Hello. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mentioned in the intro, you and I, we talk, I would say, at minimum every probably two to three days. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it's not always about just, you know, books or your reviews for the website or anything like that. So we've actually managed to, to build up a, a friendship. And um, I, I was thrilled that um, I was able to, to host uh, book reviews for you on the Picky Bookworm. I was thrilled that you agreed. Um, and it's, I mean, our, just our collaboration between the, the two of us and, and all of that has just been so much fun. Um, I have just really enjoyed building this this friendship and this relationship with you. So, um, so I know probably a lot more about you um, than, the, than the listeners do. So real quick, if you can uh, kind of introduce yourself uh, to the listeners, tell us a little bit about you, how you got started writing, um, just kind of who you are, 
and um, I will also link your um, Cat Valor um, origin story um, in the description for everybody as well for the website. So um, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm a writer. Uh, I have about 10, oh, wow, uh, closer, we're going on 11 years now of writing experience. Um, I actually started freelancing uh, during high school. I was, <laughs> I was in my senior year uh, when I started freelancing. Uh, and I have dabbled in a lot of like different writing adjacent fields as a freelancer. Uh, but I have, I started with ghostwriting and then I, I moved into journalism a little bit and I, I've bounced around a lot. I've just finally had the courage to make the switch into writing, writing like stuff under my own name. Uh, last year I m worked a lot in like horror short stories, uh, to kind of build my way up. Uh, my first book is coming out this year, so I've taken some time off of, like, my normal freelancing job to just kind of go promote that and uh, query around for <laughs> anyone that wants to pick up a second one. Yeah. Uh, so that's been uh, kind of where I'm at right now. I host a horror podcast still, uh, Slasher Radio, and uh, I do reviews with you. I, I do a couple of reviews through the Sinister Scoop, but it is more of a hobby now than like a full-time job like it's been for the last like 10 years so <laughs> I yeah I can only imagine how scary it could be to write you know to like ghostwrite and you know and things like that and then all of a sudden you know get this wild hair and you're like I'm gonna write under my own name I yeah. can only imagine how scary that could be to to suddenly be you know be willing to put your own voice out there and your own writing out there rather than you know writing for somebody else i i remember when you know i i have never had an issue with like putting my written words out there like you know i i've always been interested in blogging and, you know, until the picky bookworm, I had never really found a, a niche and really found a genre that um, kind of stuck with me. I had always just kind of given it up. I tried movies for a while. I tried, you know, all sorts of things, just lifestyle and all kinds of things for a while. And the picky bookworm is the one that stuck. Um, so sorry, guys, you're going to be <laughs> you're going to be with <laughs> me for a while. But, um, you know, so I never really had a problem with putting my words out there but I had always wanted to do a podcast and you know I didn't really know how I wanted to do it I didn't really know um what kind of shape I wanted it to take and you know so when I finally decided you know I'd had the picky bookworm I think for about a year I think maybe two, I think it was like December of 2020 was when I finally decided, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to just do it. Yeah. And, you know, every once in a while, I will thank God for ADHD impulsivity. <laughs> I get some of the greatest things out of it. Um, it's a struggle sometimes when those things cost me money, but, um, 
you know, but I had just decided that, you know, if I'm going to do this, I need to just do it. I need to bite the bullet. And it was so scary. It was so scary. Like I, I asked, um, I asked my friend Esther, I tell this story um, every once in a while, but I had asked my friend Esther if she would be my first guest and we had so much fun. And, but after about 30 minutes or so, you can actually kind of tell if you listen to that episode that after about 30 minutes, I just kind of cut things off. I'm just like, okay, I gotta go. And <laughs> my stomach was in knots. Like I was nauseated and I was just like, my stomach was just in knots and I just, I could not do any more at that point. And because I was just freaked out. (laughs) And so, you know, I, what to, to kind of turn the conversation back to you a little bit, what, what did that feel like when you decided to go from ghostwriting to, hey, I'm going to put my own story out there? Um, it was really, it was, it's like you said, it was really scary. Um, this was the second time that I had done it, actually. Uh, I had gotten spooked away from it once before. Oh, no. uh, I had kind of a false start, false start uh, back in. Back in 2016, uh, I started, I, I was like, I want to be writing my own stuff because I a lot of the ghostwriting positions um, are like romance. <laughs> you can make some real bank ghostwriting romance if you're fast as a writer, uh, but it's not a genre that I enjoy. Uh, so <laughs> like it was, I, I knew that I wanted to do my own stuff. And I in 2016, I had like a little bit of vacation time. Uh, I had just moved and it was like, I I would like to do, I had moved in with my partner at the time and I was like, I would like to do something for me. And I, so I got really serious about it. um, And I had like a couple very small publications. Uh, I had like a flash fiction piece and a short story and I had actually gotten, um, I I was in, I, I was very briefly like in another fiction podcast and I felt like I was getting traction I was really excited about it Um, it was slow and steady and then I kind of went to it part-time and in 2019 uh, my first book my first novel what would have been my first novel got picked up and uh, like I had we had not signed any contracts yet but I had like interest in a publisher for my first novel and I was getting really excited and it was a plague novel in in 2019 <laughs> uh and pretty Lovely. much overnight the market for those like off the map you couldn't do those it was a big no-no in speculative fiction all of a sudden and like my first big acceptance was just like it vanished <laughs> and I was just like never again uh, I'm not doing this ever again this is scary and the publishing industry is volatile and no one's ever gonna touch this book that I spent like two years editing and I just, I want to be done. And, (laughs) uh, I think, and I've done the job that I took after that. I was actually a professional dungeon master, uh, playing dungeons and dragons online for money. Uh, and that was like, that was the scariest thing I had ever done in my life because it was, it was live. It was, very technologically based. There were a lot of elements that could go wrong, uh, very high stress position. And, uh, I, and I was like, this is the scariest thing that I ever want to do, but I did it for like a year. And then it was like, I need to go back to writing. <laughs> uh, 
and I did journalism again for a while and I like I found a place that paid pretty well for me to do that and then it was just and I but I don't think I've ever been and it was like it was one of those things where it's like I was a dungeon master and I, I've done the journalism thing and I've done like all these really scary things it was really hard to talk myself back into publishing again though like after that first novel deal went through it was like where <laughs> uh, there's just and still sometimes I get it where there's just the sinking like pit in my stomach where it's like what if this whole thing just is gone overnight again <laughs> yeah I I can only yeah I can only imagine um you know I I just I it's so funny because you know my friend Caroline tells me you know when I say I'm never gonna write a book she's like never say never Pam and I'm like <laughs> Okay, I will change the wording. I have no desire to write a book. <laughs> we'll just go with that. And, you know, a lot of it is because I see all of the work that you guys put into yours. You know, if you had asked me before I met the writing community on Twitter, if you had told me, you know, never say never. I'd been like, oh yeah, probably. I, you know, I might want to write one eventually. You know, if I can get some training or whatever. I mean, because I I struggle with dialogue, so you know, I'm like, that's I could write like a research paper in like 30 <laughs> minutes, um, no problem at all whatsoever. So it's not the writing part of it that I would struggle with. It's the making it interesting enough that somebody would actually want to read it because only my teachers would want to read my research papers. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I'm like, okay, so I will change my wording. I have no desire to write a book. I, I see the work that you guys put into it and it's just, I would rather use my creative time and my creative energy on helping you guys promote your books. That's just kind of how I look at it. And, you know, instead of, you know, because I have a very competitive nature. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody who has known me longer than five seconds um, has figured that out about me. Um, but I do. I have a very, very, very competitive nature. And it does not matter what it is. Does not matter. If there is any possible way to compete, even if the other person has no clue that I'm competing, it becomes a competition and I have to win. And if I can't win, I'm a really sore loser. And, <laughs> you know, I, I try really hard. Like the, I'm gracious to the other person. It's not, I don't turn into like this big entitled pain in the butt um, about losing. But if I lose, I will ruminate and I will obsess and I will figure out, okay, how can I win next time? And writing books, it would be the same thing. It would absolutely be the same thing. You guys would never know that I was competing with you. But if one author mentioned that they wrote 1,400 words in a day, I would, <laughs> I would make myself write at least 1,500. 
you know, if somebody else, you know, said that they sold five books in a week, I would want to sell 10. And if I couldn't, then it, that obsession and that, you know, that thought and that anxiety and all of that would, would take over. And then of course I would start with the imposter syndrome and, you know, is my book just not as good as theirs? And, you know, is my marketing not as good? And, you know, am I just not as good at talking about myself? And, you know, so it would just be the, this whole thing. And so by helping you guys market your books and by helping you guys promote your books, I'm just doing away with all of that competition um, because I don't have to choose that way. You know, I, I can, I can promote the wonderful books and, you know, talk about the wonderful books and talk about the amazing authors and, you know, all of those things without feeling like I have to compete with you. Cause that would not be fun for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, um, it's a career where you have to keep that impulse in check um every november uh, national novel writing month i get a little bit that competitive feeling comes back where it's like well i can write fifty thousand words in a month but i want to do it before everybody else or like i want to write a hundred thousand words or it's like there are moments uh still where i have flickers of that and it, it is something that you have to let go of to like function as a writer and you have to get used to rejection letters um like all the time constantly and like there are there are a lot of not fun parts of the job <laughs> like yeah and you know i you know and i just i see just all of the work that you guys put into it and and i see all of these amazing stories that come out of y'all's twisted minds um yes i said what i said listeners um some of y'all are twisted um but and that is not a bad thing i'm not saying that's a bad thing but i you know i do i read these stories that are just they're amazing and they're you know the worlds are just beautiful and you know all of this and i'm just like you know i might be able to do that if I were willing to put in that work, but I'm not. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, so I, I would rather just expend my creative energy in other, in other ways, you know, blog about your beautiful books and get on the podcast and talk about your beautiful books. Um, so speaking of, uh, we were actually talking before uh, I hit record that, I forgot my ADHD meds this morning, you guys. Um, so I'm going to apologize right now if I jump all over the place a little bit. But actually connected. Speaking of books, <laughs> tell us about yours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so my debut for real is coming out this year. Uh, it is a novella. <laughs> it is, um, I've been calling it Found File, which is sort of the modern epistolary horror um it focuses it's all true to source formatting so uh like if there's a tweet in the book it looks like it was taken from twitter uh if there's emails you know it, it looks like it's been printed off of the emails which has been phenomenal i've loved seeing all of the formatting come together uh but it's it's a found file horror novella uh it's about thirty-two thousand words 
and it's uh it's coming august 1st it is available for pre-order right now uh it is about it <laughs> uh it's about a comic writer uh she takes an internet hiatus when there is when comparisons start to be drawn between a body that is found and the contents of her comic uh and it it's all found file <laughs> so well that sounds um super horrific <laughs> um <laughs> i hope that was you know the right word to use but um so by comic writer you mean like graphic novel and not funny oh uh, yes graphic okay. novel um yeah i just I, you never know these days honestly um, <laughs> yeah so i mean because when i think of you know somebody says comics and i'm like i think of superman and batman and you know all of this stuff and then over the years it just kind of morphed over into no those are graphic novels um okay i grew up in the 90s sorry guys <laughs> um can't can't really help it um so i you know so i'm you know trying to roll with the times and you know get my vernacular correct i feel so old some days um when i'm like well back in my day they didn't say that and i'm like um how to have to learn um roll with the times so um, book is up for pre-order right now. I will be sure to um, get that link um, for everybody in the show notes uh, so that they can come check it out. <clears throat> so if you like horror stories, um, horror books, horror novellas, anything like that, Kat is kind of the authority on um, the creepy. So hopefully, um, hopefully this book will be um, true to form and hopefully it'll scare the living crap out of some of you. So... <laughs> <laughs> probably won't be me but you know i i'm not the i'm not the horror kind of person um i i read a book a while back that <clears throat> you would probably enjoy um only because you can pretty much enjoy anything <laughs> but it's not like your kind of horror it's my kind of horror <laughs> <laughs> like it's just creepy enough that I won't read it after dark. Um, but I would never, I won't label it like actual horror. Um, the exorcist was actual horror. I won't even allow that book in my house. Like, no, um, read it once just to figure out what the hype was about and never again. No. Um, and I, I have told my husband that movie is not coming in my house. And if he wants to watch it, he can watch it without me. Um, that's just, it's, you know, I think the closest I've ever come to horror was like paranormal activity. Because um, it's just not my thing. Um, but if it is your thing, I will definitely put a link um, in the show notes um, for everybody to check your book out. Um, um, and I do want to just throw this out there if anyone is interested. It the book dances around some themes like some pretty serious themes but it is not explicit i think a lot of people that know my my short stories especially as of recently are probably so i've been trying to disclaimer this a lot of people that know my writing are probably expecting this to be like pretty extreme a lot of people that know my reading preferences are probably also expecting that but it's i in would terms expect of, that 
what you see on page, it's more unsettling than it is graphic, I would definitely say. Uh, so just to toss that out there, I've also, one thing that I've noticed, I'm starting to get like my first um, ARC reviews in for it. And a lot of people have been comparing it to Eric LaRocca's Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke, which is one of the most disturbing books I've ever read. <laughs> like, it's very graphic. It's very violent. Um, and I, so I have been trying to disclaimer it where it's like, you know, the the style of storytelling does have those like found internet web culture elements, but please don't expect like the full gore going into this because it doesn't it's it might be the first one of my books that does not have that <laughs> well and and honestly to be <clears throat> to be fair i was not expecting like graphic gory horror um the that i can actually handle better than um than the unsettling i don't you know the yeah. the stories that like freak you out and keep you thinking when you should be sleeping that's that's the kind of you know the kind of horror that you're <coughs> excuse me that you're just unsettled enough to wonder what that shadow is outside your window yeah <laughs> um that's actually the kind that I don't like <laughs> so um but the the book that I was um talking about it's um uh, The Liar of Red Valley um and it's just weird enough and there is and of course I'm, i can't tell you too much about it or i'm gonna have to wait for you <laughs> to forget before you can buy the book um but there's a there's one particular element of the book that is um it's a very dark very evil type entity and the the parts of the book that deal with that entity I think is what freaks me out the most um because it's reminiscent of walking into your basement with the lights off and hearing the the heater pop on yeah you know and you know basements are already creepy enough um <laughs> And, you know, they're dark and they're gloomy. And, you know, so the the book just kind of gives me that that feeling. I enjoyed it um, as long as I was reading it in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I learned probably, I would say, about maybe 15 to 20% into the book. I learned... Um, I, I should really read something a little bit more lighthearted before bed, not, not this one. Um, so I, I have actually gotten out of the habit of reading more than one book at a time, um, which is surprising. That was one of those periods of time where I was reading two books um, at a time because I was like, okay, this one is my daytime book and I'll have this <laughs> one over here for my nighttime book. So, um, I do recommend it for sure. Um, I have a review up if you want to go and um, kind of glance through it a little bit. Skip the synopsis, obviously. <laughs> um, and I I did actually, um, small side note, in my 
most recent review um, that I wrote uh, for the Shadow Demons saga this past week, I actually put in there, um, you should go read this, Cat, I mean you, so stop <laughs> reading now and just go check the series out. Um, because, you know, I was like, I had gotten far enough that I was able to get across that the, the series was really good. But I know how you feel about <laughs> yeah. going into books and going into series blind. So I literally wrote in there, I'm like, Kat, this is for you. Just stop reading here and just go go find the series. Um, so if you see that, um, that's just, you know, my <clears throat> my nice little uh, comedic aside um, in, in, my, my book, <laughs> in my book review. Because, um, yeah, I wrote that before I even got to the synopsis of the book. So I was just like, you know, stop, just stop reading now. You're, you're good. Um, and go find the series. Um, so because I figured if you read it, you would, um, you would think that was pretty funny. And you'd be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, I, I, it's getting me into trouble because it's, it's a really hit or miss situation uh, going into books blind. Because it's hard to find things that I like. And I, I have to rely on other people to recommend me things. And uh, every now and then, something will come along where I'll they'll be like, Kat, I'm, I'm positive. This is for you. Invest. And I'll be like, yeah. Uh, and then I end up with something that it's like, I really should have looked into this. Because in retrospect, it'll be like, um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I... I, you know, and I, in a lot of ways, I am very similar to you in that I, I love going into books blind, but what I will usually do is I, I am that horrible person that I don't always read the blurb, but I will for sure judge your cover and judge your title. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I like the cover um, chances are I'm probably going to, to get your book. If I like the title, chances are I'm probably going to get your book. Um, and, you know, if you catch me off guard and actually get me to read the blurb, it's kind of hit or miss. But those, those two elements, um, title, title and cover, um, and they don't even have to be, I, I told this story a while ago, doesn't even have to be a, an intricate cover. Um, no. one, one of my favorite things to do, and I don't do it very often um, because I don't read hard copy books, but um, one of my favorite things to do is go to the Dollar Tree. Um, it's a, for any of my listeners outside the U.S., because um, I don't think you have them there, is um, basically everything's a dollar. And they they recently raised the prices where it should be everything's a dollar twenty five, but um, everything is very inexpensive, and they have a small book section. And so every once in a while, I will go in and and you know snag you know three or four books. And I saw this one, I don't even know what the title was at this point, but it was just like a one word title, um, in like a bluish gray font on a white background. That was it. It was super simple and it, but it was like elegantly simple and I had to have it. I was like, I, I don't even know what the book is about. I don't even care what the book is about. I had to have it because it was so pretty. So doesn't need to be an intricate cover, but 
if I read your blurb and your cover sucks, probably not going to get your book. I, I just, I'm such a sucker for a pretty cover. Um, it's hard it's, when you're like a blind reader. <laughs> uh, when oh, I know. likes to choose books that way. And they're like, don't judge a book by its cover. But then you're like, well, I have to judge a book some way. And if you tell me anything about the book, it'll ruin the book. So I need something to go off. I'm picking a pretty cover. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll never, I, I do try, like, if a book has an ugly cover and people have recommended it to me for whatever reason, I look past that. But if I'm left to my own devices and I'm trying to find a book, I will very often end up with a pretty one. Because <laughs> it's, it's like. And, you know, and it's so funny because I, you know, this is another thing that I've said multiple times is, you know, that's one of the things that I I really feel like Indian self-published authors have, they've gotten it on lock. Like, yeah. they know that people are going to judge their book by that cover. It's going to happen. And, you know, my my friend Daniel, I had him on the show a couple of months ago, and he he and I have talked about the the marketing aspect behind books. And he does whenever he releases a book, he does a Kickstarter campaign to raise enough money so that he can cover editing, so that he can cover like fantastic cover design, and you know so that he can you know afford to do these things that he knows people are going to look for in a book. Yeah. And he wants to, you know, he's like, I consider it an investment in the quality of my books. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's so being able to, even if you design your own cover, make it pretty. Because yeah. that's, I mean, when I'm scanning through Amazon, um, and I know you don't like Amazon, when I'm scanning through Kobo, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, those those covers that's the first thing you see uh, and yeah. that's that's what makes you click to okay this this looks interesting let's see what this book is about you know those kinds of things so um oh, so cool. we had i think i had sent you yesterday a um a message on twitter because there was one thing in particular that um i have not really discussed with a guest in a while and um, just kind of wanted to get your your input um, on a couple of things. What um, besides pretty covers? What are uh, real quick before we move too far away from covers? I actually just I wanted to throw this out there. I bought my book cover before I wrote this book <laughs> that's coming out in oh, August. Oh, that's funny. It is so gorgeous. And I saw it and it was like, oh my God. And it was it was one of those moments I could like see my name where it says author name. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Okay, so what, so what is the name of your book? I don't know if you have actually talked about yet. Yeah. It is called Revenge Arc. Okay, okay. I... And I'm going to look it up on my laptop. So <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to look it up on my laptop so that I can see. Um, but I just oh, I thought it was really funny. It's not on Amazon, is it? Oh, no, oh, it's no, not on Amazon. <laughs> what is it on? Uh, uh, it, is it is on the, the so we have our pre-order page is just through our site. I'll send you the link. And then um, uh, 
we're planning on we're trying to get on godless right now actually is the i know it was your publishers your publisher yeah. site i just can't remember yeah, what archive that of the odd Okay, you can get that to me later. I can look at it later. But yes, what little I could see of your cover is very cool. Um, my, and I just and I thought it was really funny when you said that, like, it's the first thing that attracts readers, because in this case, it also attracted the writer, where I was like, oh, I need it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, I, I use the, the I need it um, excuse a lot. Um, and it was it was really funny um, when my husband informed me that because my website is basically a business, um, I do make money from the website. Mm -hmm. That hey, books, they're a business expense. Yeah, I was so excited, <laughs> so excited. Um, and because then I'm like, you mean I don't have to budget for books out of like our household budget? I, <laughs> I, I, okay. Um, and it's a really good thing that I read ebooks most of the time because we would not have room <laughs> for, my, for my books. Um, and I actually read ebooks on purpose because they're a little bit cheaper and I can buy more um, for this, basically for the same book. Um, and so, um, okay, so back to the sort of, um, original question, yes. what, what are some things that you think as an indie reader and an indie writer, what are some things that you think the, the indie community has figured out and handles better? than a traditional publishing entity would? Um, this is a really bold generalization to make, but bear with me. Uh, I think indie writers are more creative. A and I think a lot of that is because, like, the big five especially, but trad publishing in general, uh, there are a lot of confines that you have to work within. Uh, and, I, but... If you're publishing yourself or if you're working through a small press, you're going to already be in kind of a niche area and you can commit to it really intensely. Um, and if you're if you're a reader that has read a lot of uh, horror is a really good example because I grew up reading King and Barker and Jackson and Kunst a little bit. And it's like, you know you get through all those things and then you've pretty much seen all the big stuff like that's, you know, it is what it is. And it, you know, sometimes it's fantastic, but you have this feeling like there has to be more out there. Um, the most disturbing books I've ever read in my entire life have all been indie. Uh, anytime anything really unsettles me, it's because it's been like such a deep personal like little nugget of an idea that's just traumatizing and it's like you know I I that's something and I'm going through it right now with fantasy also a little bit where the stuff that I'm really liking is indie fantasy because it's not afraid to uh I just did one for your site the uh, legends and lattes mm -hmm. and it's like I can't see that going through a big publisher where they're just like yeah right <laughs> write a fantasy book where nothing serious happens, 
you know, but it was like, but they did, you know, because they knew that there was a niche for readers that wanted that coziness and it was something that they were able to do and there was no one to tell them, hey, don't do that. Like, this will never work. It's not marketable. Yeah. Yeah. The marketable is like such a scary word as a writer, you know, and and listeners can't, can't, can't see me, but I am using the, the rabbit ear quotes. Um, (laughs) yeah. Marketable. Um, I, I use the, use the saying all the time that the very thing that makes indie books not marketable is precisely what makes them marketable. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I, I agree so much that they, they're willing to push that envelope and willing, you know, cause when you, you know, in the, in the arena of fantasy and in the arena of romance, especially, um, maybe thriller to, um, to a, a point, but when you go to trad pubs, um, and you find a romance book, it is very obviously a romance book. It's got a formula. It's got, you know, it's like reading a rom-com. You know, you, you basically, you know, what's coming, you know, that happily ever after is coming, you know, there's probably going to be a breakup in the middle somewhere, but then one or the other is, or both is going to like perform this grand gesture. And all of a sudden all is right with the world. You, you know, that formula is there. But in indie books, especially, you read a, a romance and yeah, there might be that formula there, but, you know, one of the characters may be in the CIA and could end up in a POW camp and that's why they broke up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so, you know, and the grand gesture is, you know, the other one goes and rescues them from the POW camp. And so there's, you know, the indie writers are able to mesh those, those genres together. My friend Gabe is a really good example of uh, genre blending. I, I tell people his book is queer dystopian sci-fi erotic romance. Five genres, you guys in one book well technically one series but the first after the first book um that i read that was what i told people five genres people so that is a big deal you don't find that in traditional publishing it's rare to find that in traditional publishing um so what what are some things that and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be writing-based. Um, it can be, you know, just along the lines of mindset or habits or, you know, anything like that. But what are some things that indie writers could improve on um, and and work on? Not, I mean, and it doesn't even have to be something that completely sucks, just something that they they struggle with and um you know just could be improved on uh one thing is i and this is it's a little bit unfair to say this i think because it's 
working again within a system uh but it is harder to find indie books um <laughs> marketing is is a big struggle and it's something that i go through myself like i don't know when you don't have a budget and you don't have you know like a big company giving you a budget uh there's <laughs> it's hard to know how to you. market stuff yeah like so it's the struggle is very real but i think i know a lot of indie authors who have kind of given up marketing and it's like even just uh, promoting your stuff in the same place that you've been promoting it like seeing something a lot will eventually get readers to see it more like i i think there's a sense of defeatism in the indie community right now where it's like you know well if you don't have the budget it's not even worth it to try and i and this is not you know it's not across the board because i also know a lot of indie authors who are way better than me at marketing <laughs> who are doing phenomenally well but i there is kind of there's that sense of hopelessness and it, it's the same way with um i i have a very close friend who is trying to go hybrid publishing uh mm. moving from like all self-publishing to self-publishing and small press and and one of her things is that she doesn't um she always assumes that things are going to be a rejection so she'll like sh she very often will self-publish a book before she's heard back from the press because <laughs> she doesn't like waiting around and it's like no you have to you have to believe that you know your book is worth being read by people you know and i think that's something with uh like marketing and with uh hybrid publishing especially where it's just that there is kind of that the imposter syndrome is real and it's yeah. it's not enough to just be like oh well i don't feel like an imposter like you actually have to take actions to you know not be an imposter not yeah don't um don't just not feel like an imposter but act like you're not an imposter yeah. and yeah i you know i tell authors all the time you know i'm like the world needs your stories yeah. and um you know and that's a lot of the reason why you know the picky bookworm has grown so much and it's still not as big as i would like it to be um but, you know, I, that was my goal was to just create this community to promote these amazing books because, you know, I do know that authors struggle with, um, you know, promoting their own books. And a lot of it is indie authors are also introverts. <laughs> and so talking about themselves is difficult and you know so i'm like hey you hate talking about yourself let me do it for you i'll you know i'll help you out and so i you know i do definitely agree that that's you know that's both a, a habit and a mindset i think is you know just making a habit of adjusting that mindset um, you know, and just maybe I'll, you know, make a poster that I can, <laughs> I can sell on my website it just says the world needs your stories, post it on your mirror and just look at it every day. Um, because I mean, it's just, it's so important for, for those stories to, to make it out in the world. Um, and so that's, you know, and that's part of the reason why I just won't 
write a book myself is, you know, because I'm like, the world needs your stories. Doesn't necessarily need mine. Um, <laughs> I could maybe write like a, a blog post serial um, at some point, maybe. Um, I make no promises, you guys. Um, but it would, I mean, it wouldn't get any further than that. I mean, it just, you know, and it would probably be, hey, here's like five paragraphs of scenery. Make of it what you will. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not great with dialogue. So, um, okay, so we've got about 10, maybe 12 minutes left. Um, what are what are some tips that you could offer like new writers um, since you've been writing for 11 years? Yeah. No, you've only you're only publishing now, but you've been writing for a while. Um, what what are some tips that you can um, offer your fellow writers um, on like habit building or, you know, anything like that? Um, well, the habit building is tough because it something different is going to work for every person. Right. Uh, I always just encourage people to experiment and find out what works for them uh, because there's no universal solution to that. Yeah. Um, I think if there was, <laughs> but, you know, like you, look up, see what some of the writers that you look up to do every day, uh, see if it works for you. Don't stress if it doesn't work for you. I know for a long time I was taking a lot of writing advice from Stephen King uh, and I don't agree with so much of what his process is, but it, I was like, you know, there was that pressure when I first started and it was like, if I can't do what King does, I'm not ever going to make it as a writer. And that's silly. Like whatever works for you, find it, uh, stick with it. Uh, and, but I do think, uh, like if you want to make it as a writer, um, there are a couple, I have a couple very unconventional tips. Uh, like everyone can tell you it's a numbers game you know, submit to more things, get those rejections, get comfortable with rejections, start seeking them out, uh, and then you'll start to get more acceptances included with them, like, once you're just in the habit of submitting to things and, you know, getting the writing done, getting the work done to submit to things. Uh, one of my, th this is, like, this is my hot writing take, <laughs> like, a lot of writers will tell you not to do this. One thing that was really good for me is I got just a couple credits, not like a whole bunch, but I got a couple credits under my belt that were just exposure. Uh, there, there's a big thing, at which I understand where it's like, you should be paid for your writing. Don't do things just for exposure. Do one or two things just for exposure. And I know that sounds, you know, like feeding into the system and stuff. But once you have something that you can put in your cover letters, like I was published here and here, you know, once that's online and someone else has like seen value in your work, it's it's a good confidence builder. It's a good stepping stone. Um, and like a lot of magazines and stuff, even if they don't pay, they'll do your editing for free. You get the experience of working with an editor and it's just it's a good building block to see what the process is like and if it's something that you're serious about doing. Uh, those were things that helped me a lot when I was starting out. Like I did a couple magazines that were just like, hey, we'll edit your piece for free if we can put it in the magazine. And, you know, those were some of my earliest publications and they got me going. Like I, 
there's a big difference between that and doing free work forever for the rest of your career because obviously you have to phase out of it at some point but like don't don't be afraid to like start small and and work your way up to stuff well and that's um and it's it's so funny that you that you brought that up because that was kind of part of the reason why and i really need to actually talk about it more um but that was part of the reason why i created the the short story prompts um on my website is to you know give authors a way to kind of showcase their writing um no i can't pay you for it i, I just don't have the budget um to do that but by submitting and by allowing me to publish on my website with links to your other published works um that is you know that's a way of just you know kind of showcasing your writing and then you know when somebody does say hey where are some places that i can see your writing hey i'm on this website i'm on this website i you know i wrote a short story for this person and you know it's you can't i mean when especially when you're self-published you cannot beat that word of mouth and you cannot beat that exposure. And, you know, so yeah, it's kind of a win-win um, because I get readers to my to my website for it. Um, but I, you know, when I tell authors, you know, yeah, hey, I have these short story prompts if you wanna write one, I'm not gonna publish it on my website without giving credit. And without saying, hey, here's links to the other stuff that this person has written. Here's places you can find them online. Hey, go check out their website. I'm not going to just publish it and say written by so and so. <laughs> not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I because the whole point of publishing it is so that I can give you that exposure. And, you know, so just in case authors, if you're listening, um, just in case you have avoided um, wanting to write for any of my story prompts um, for that reason, because you think that I'm just going to take credit for it, that is absolutely unequivocally not true. Um, the The whole point that I even want to do it is to try to help you guys out and to try to create that exposure for you. Um, so real quick side note, if you're interested in writing a short story prompt, um, you can go to the pickybookworm.com forward slash story dash prompts. Um, and that'll have, and I actually need to go and add um, some more um, to it, um, to that page um, for everybody. So um, that would be um, a super, super fun thing um, for me to get to do is to publish stories from you guys. That'd be awesome. So, um, okay. We've got about five minutes left or so. Um, where can people find you and come hang out online? Uh, you can find me. The easiest way to stay up to date with my projects is on my website, catvalor.com, C-A-T-V-O-L-E-U-R, because I know I have a French weird <laughs> spell name, uh, .com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, cat uh, underscore Valor. I theoretically am on Instagram, but I don't know how to use it 
So <laughs> maybe don't find me there. Um, oh my God, I feel one, that with every part of my soul. <laughs> I, I sometimes forget it exists and then I'll, I'll sign into lots of notifications that I should have already read. Uh, but yeah, Twitter is where I'm at the most. Uh, that's the best place to find me. And yeah, and my work is all on my website. So uh, updates about Revenge Arc. And um, I've got a couple upcoming anthologies that I'm going to be in, which is exciting. Uh, Dracula Beyond Stoker is coming out soon. And I, I have a story in that about Renfield. So that's fun. <sighs> Super exciting. Um. Okay, so any, I honestly thought that was going to take you longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any last words uh, for the listeners? Uh, well, thank you for listening. Uh, and yeah, thank you for going indie also. Like indie podcasts, indie books, uh, I Indie films are deba debatable, but there are some hidden gems in there. Um, uh, it's it's good. It's good to support uh, smaller creators. I feel like we live in a time where like creativity is being kind of monopolized, and supporting indie projects, is, media is like really the best way to combat that. So, uh, thanks for listening and uh, reading independently written books uh hopefully if you are open to some light scares uh you will check out mine <laughs> i i am i'm debating um there was there was one that you reviewed um that <laughs> i i keep going back to because i'm like i really like again the cover um i really like the cover it's the back rooms the back rooms um, and you know i'm just like i keep coming back to that and i'm like do I want to? Do I trust Kat enough <laughs> to, to read this book on her sole recommendation? Um, especially since in your reviews you don't um, include synopses. So, yeah. you know, I'm like, I, I have no clue what the book is <laughs> about. Um, and, you know, but I keep, you know, that one and um, Legends and Lattes, which, you know, of course, I love fantasy. So, um, you know, anything cozy, um, I'm all about the cozy um, every, every once in a while. Um, I am reading a, um, a trilogy by uh, Melissa Wright um, right now, and her her books are on the shorter side. Um, they're all, I don't, I don't think I've read a single one that's been over 300 pages. Um, but they're so much fun. Um, just a little bit on the darker side, on the darker fantasy side. Um, but they're an absolute blast and I, I love her books, uh, so much, but just every once in a while, you just want the, the cozy where you just want to like drink a cup of tea and, and read a good book. A lot of people recommend like cozy mysteries as palate cleansers, but I don't like mysteries much as a genre. So I never quite understood what the appeal was. And then I picked up Legends and Lattes and it's like, oh, this must be, this is the cozy mystery thing, but for nerds and I like it. Like, <laughs> I was so excited. 
I yeah, I I don't really I don't read much of the cozy mystery um, either. I did come across a series. Um, it's the Soul Mutts series um, by. Oh, I will have to put that in the show notes. I cannot remember Lori, Lori something, I think. Um, but it's their cozy fiction where it's um, the book one especially is written from human's perspective and then from the dog's point of view. And so it's like, it's like in first, I think the, the human's perspective is in third person and then the dog's point of view is in first. (laughs) And so, but there, it's like the perfect palate cleanser because it's not, there's no mystery. It's just, it's this cute little story about a human and their dog and it's, you know, adorable. That's what I think of when I think of palate cleanser. You know, I don't think mystery is not what I think of as a palate cleanser, you know? Yeah, I I, I never quite got it. And it's like, because it's cozy, but it's like, I don't, I don't want to be solving mysteries. Like, I want to <laughs> just be cozy. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not judging cozy mystery as a genre. I don't think you are either. Um. No. But if you like mysteries, having a cozy one, I can understand why that would be a really good palate cleanser. But right. for and, me, it's stress. <laughs> well, and I, you know, it's like I, if I'm reading a cozy mystery, it's because I want a mystery. It's not because I want a palate cleanser. You know, if I want a palate cleanser, I'm going to read something like The Means by um, Amy... I'm having the worst time with last names today. Holy crap. Um, but it's the means, um, the soul Nuts series would be an, another, um, really great palate cleanser, but just like that lighthearted, funny little story that, um, you should smile more, uh, would be another one by Anastasia Ryan. Um, those I would consider palate cleansers because there's plot, but there's not, you're not really having to solve anything. You're not really having to think too hard about it. They're just like the perfect little books to either get you over a reading slump or get you through a book hangover, you know, that those kinds of things. So, um, okay. Well, we actually went over by about a minute and a half um, and we could go two hours. I guarantee you, um, <laughs> but I try not to do that with, um, with my chats. So, Um, I am going to say thank you for coming and chatting with me today. It was an absolute blast. Thank you for having me on. I did have a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, I hope you get to feeling better. And um, I know you had said yesterday that you were just going to record today. (laughs) Yeah, I I was pretty determined. So I tested positive for covid uh, yesterday and I was like I don't know how I'm gonna be feeling tomorrow <laughs> but it's it's a lot more manageable than I thought it was but yeah I was pretty it's like unless I'm dead I'm showing up to this well I am very glad that you're here very glad that you talked with me um very sad that you tested positive but yeah. <laughs> I I hope you get to feeling better um, I hope you can go take a chance to rest and um, get some vitamin C and, and get all of that stuff and start to feeling better. So I, I will talk to you, I'm sure, very soon. 
Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> Bye.